Hello, everybody. Welcome to another Comic Source Comic Boom collaboration. As promised, this is our spotlight on the Harley Quinn 30th anniversary issue. Uh, in addition to talking about some of the stories in this issue, Rocky and I will both talk about what Harley means to us. Uh, obviously, Rocky, the bigger bigger Harley fan than me. And I'll, for those listeners who might not be familiar, what kind of my a little bit of an aversion that I have to, to Harley, but it's hard to believe 30 years, you know, from first appearing in 1992 in the animated series to where she is now. I would argue she's the fourth pillar of the DC universe next to Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. And I would argue that she is more important than Wonder Woman in a lot of ways, just because she's so popular and generates more revenue. And she, uh, I don't know if she generates more revenue than Superman or not. I mean, because Superman may not be quite as popular in this country, but, you know, he's such a worldwide phenomenon. And Harley is too. It would be interesting to know how much Harley merchandise sells, uh, you know, what, what it's, what's the numbers, you know, how much does Superman generate? How much does Harley generate? We know Batman generates the most. So anyway, uh, yeah, the reason, let me just real quickly, the reason I have a little bit of an aversion to Harley way back when I first started my channel, when it was a YouTube channel, um, I did a history of Harley. And at that time, I literally went through over a week, maybe seven to 10 day period, read every single appearance of Harley in comics. It was a lot. <laughs> it was like 200 issues of Harley in, you know, seven to 10 days. And it's kind of like one of those things where it's like an eating or a drinking contest and you have so much of something too much, too fast. And I just, last thing I wanted to do was read any Harley. Um, and I also, I never, you know, I, of course I enjoyed the Batman animated series as much as anybody, but I never, that Brooklyn accent and the Mr. J, like it never really resonated with me. So the Harley, and I've talked about this a lot of times too, the Harley that is is my favorite is when the zaniness is kind of set aside um, and we get the more serious kind of Harley. I do find her to be an interesting character. And it's probably why my favorite Harley thing ever is the Joker Harley Criminal Sanity series from Cami Garcia, Jason Badower, and Miko Suyan, because that, that's a very real world with uh, Harley Quinn as this criminal profiler. And there's actually a, a kind of a prequel to that series in this issue that we'll talk about. It's kind of in the middle of that. Like if you want to talk about the regular zany Harley and the regular DCU, and then that super serious in the middle that has a little bit of zany, but is much more on the serious side is the Harley Quinn that we have in the Sean Gordon Murphy verse. Um, it's a little more serious as well. And I was kind of surprised that we didn't get a Sean Gordon Murphy verse version of Harley story here in, in this. Uh, but anyway, that that's kind of my brief history with Harley. What about you, Rocky? Why do you love and know her? Well, I've uh, I've always I've always liked Harley, uh, but she was she was admittedly she was an acquired taste for me. I, I just I did get familiar with her, obviously, with the original Batman animated cartoon. Uh, I thought she was just like a goofy character, a crazy character. And to be honest, I got I, I actually uh, got into Harley Quinn uh, with Art Lieberman. The the irony is that Art Lieberman's run, the very first Harley Quinn comic book, uh, at the end of that run, the writer Lieberman w was on it, and he wrote a, a much more darker Harley, and uh, like much more dark. And mm -hmm. I thought that was the that that's remained my most my most uh, interesting my my favorite version of Harley. Although admittedly, that is absolutely not the Harley that has captured the imagination of pop culture. That was, of course, you know, pretty much that was the animated zany Harley. And uh, kudos to Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti, who really put Harley on the map, at least comic book wise, with the new Fifty Two run, which, of course, they're they're 
their Harley story starts off this 30th anniversary of Harley Quinn. But I got to tell you, you know, you you sort of uh, Harley Quinn is absolutely the the true female of the Trinity. I mean, sorry, Wonder Woman, but you're just uh, I don't know. You know, Harley is. Harley has an ability to do something that Wonder Woman doesn't. Harley can get away with being, frankly, moody, psychotic, crazy, a killer, uh, an anti-hero, a hero. She can kind of be whatever the hell she wants because she's got the excuse. In in fact, I think that's why us men like Harley because she can, you know, she's kind of got a bitchy side. And let's face it, we men, we have a, a tendency just as much as women to get sometimes in dysfunctional relationships until we get too damn old and then we just, you know, <laughs> do what we're told. <laughs> happy wife, happy life. But uh, I, I remember doing a video on this, just a quick, uh, with uh, Professor Bill at Comic Book University and uh, and uh, Dark Knight Nation and Trevor Linkevich. And we, we did a, an hour video just on uh, Harley Quinn. And she's such a complex character. We're not going to be able to do her justice. Just uh, we're instead, I think... Uh, Appropriately, we're, we're reviewing this Harley Quinn 30th anniversary special, and I don't know about you, but I, I was surprised. Other than an absence of the, uh, a, a story by Lieberman, I actually thought this was a nice array of different types of Harley Quinn stories, and one of the better tributes because it represents a lot of the writers, with, with a number of exceptions, that uh, more writers that have written Harley Quinn in the past than we've gotten in other DC compilations of 80th anniversaries were. Uh, notable writers for that particular character were, were absent. So I'm looking forward to reviewing this with you. And by the way, Thor's not the only one that loves his hammer. Yeah, <laughs> 100%, 100%. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And that Lieberman stuff did did stand out for me. You know, that that if anybody's not familiar, it's a very famous uh, when Harley had her first series with the Dodson uh, doing the cover art. Um, I think they were writing it when it first started. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that's right, and 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 in fact, they they write one in this thirtieth uh, uh, anniversary compilation. Yeah, yeah. So it was uh, to see her have her own series. It, it was kind of fun. It wasn't quite as zany. And yeah, she's to your point about her being more popular than than Wonder Woman. And you can, she's a very malleable character, right? Like you can run the gamut from doing something super serious and realistic, like. The Joker, Harley, criminal sanity, like I said, or getting completely zany and and crazy the way uh, Jimmy and Amanda do. So um, we're not going to talk about every single story in, in the issue, but I will give the credits um, and the names of each of the stories. Um, and then we'll talk about the covers and then we'll dive in. Uh, each of us will we'll kind of hand it back and forth talking about uh, the stories that we like the most. So uh, as Rocky mentioned, the first story is from uh, Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti, who really did. I mean, Harley, I, I think, was a solid character, was a known character, but she really became a superstar uh, in the hands of Amanda Connor and Jimmy um, when nobody else, like even DC themselves, didn't have a Harley series. And they, it was Jimmy and Amanda that went to, to Dan and wanted to do one. And he kind of begrudgingly, because Amanda and Jimmy had been such good soldiers, said, OK, go ahead and do it. And that's when she exploded. That's really the kind of her rebirth and her getting to the, the heights that she's at. So it, it's hard to overstate the uh, contribution Amanda and Jimmy have had, but uh, they're teamed back up with the artist that was on that series for the longest time, Chad Harden, Alex Sinclair on colors, Dave Sharp on letters, cease and desist from the writer, Albuquerque on art, Marcelo on colors, Josh Reed on letters, submissive 
from Stan Cedric. He does the writing and the analyzers, and he did he had had some Harley Minis that he's done in the past. The letters on that one are by Pat Bursa. How to Train Your Hyena from the current writer and teaming up with a recent, uh, recently departed artist from the series, Riley Rosmo, Stephanie Phillips, the writer, Yvonne Placenti on colors, Darren Bennett on letters. Criminal Sanity. So this is a prelude to that one I keep mentioning that I love so much, that Harley Project. Cami Garcia, writer, Miko Suyan and Jason Badawar on art, Annette Kwok on colors, Richard Starkeen and Comic Crafts Tyler Smith do the letters on that one. Siren Soiree from Paul Dini, one of the co-creators of Harley Quinn. Uh, Guilla March does the art on that one. Tamea More on colors. Tom Napolitano on letters. A Legend is Born, written by Sam Humphreys, who was the writer uh, right before Stephanie Phillips, who was writing Harley. Uh, Erica Henderson does the art and colors. Dave Sharp on letters. The Last Harley Story from Rob Williams. He was the writer that followed Jimmy and Amanda. Uh, John Timms does the art and colors. He was the artist that followed Chad Harden. Uh, Seda Timofante on letters. And then we've got Troop Harley Quinn from writer Cecil Castellucci. Dan Hip does the art and colors. Clayton Cal on letters. And then finally, Harley's World by Mindy Lee and Terry Dodson as writers. Terry Dodson does the pencils and colors. Rachel Dodson on inks. Clayton Cowell on uh, letters. So, uh, yeah, before we get into uh, some of our stories, which ones we like the best, um, there is a wealth of covers. Did any of them stand out as your favorite? Which ones did you buy? Uh, well, actually, I, ha- I haven't bought bought any yet. Uh, the The DC comics haven't arrived at my comic shop, so and I don't I don't actually know what covers my my retailer ordered. I never actually pre ordered any. I can tell you which my favorite is. Like I'm an Adam Hughes guy. I love Adam Hughes. I I so and that that cover by that co- the cover by Adam Hughes or Adam Hughes that is just it looks amazing. I'm going to try to find it here. Uh, because I don't know. Uh, yeah, there's three. So there's three different versions of that one. So Harley Quinn is holding her nose. You can kind of tell that she's yeah. holding her nose and kind of blowing her cheeks out, and it makes the top of her head explode. <laughs> yeah, that- there's all these different versions of Harley that are popping out. There's three versions of the cover. One has the trade dress. Right. Then there's a virgin variant of it. Then there's a version variant of it that's foil. That's a one of one hundred. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's by far my favorite. The Lee Bermejo one is is really nice as well. Uh th- th- there's there's actually a whole slew here. I'm not um, my preference would be to just get probably the ch- the cheaper version of the of the Adam Hughes one. I don't I don't I'm not a big fan of one in 100 variants and I I I actually like the trade dress to be honest. I like uh being able to identify a comic, although this one's fairly obvious, it's that it's Harley. But I love the Adam Hughes one. I mean, uh, it's the most creative. One thing about Adam Hughes, this is why he stands out as a cover artist. The guy, he he doesn't just do a cover. He actually gets, he actually tries to understand the character before he draws the cover. And there's always, there's always, he always seems to capture the, the zeitgeist of the character on, on all his covers, whether it's, uh, you know, Catwoman is another one where he, he really stands out. And uh, his Zatanna in particular and his Harley Quinn really stand out so that's definitely my that's definitely my favorite what about you i don't even know if i could pick a favorite um you know we've got two from amanda connor we've got one from j scott campbell which looks like a um a playing card with a diamond behind it. then there's one from frank cho uh there's one from bruce tim the uh, other you know along with uh, paul dini who created harley quinn there's a fantastic one from uh, Terry Dodson and, and Rachel Dodson where she's writing uh, a merry-go-round. I mean, Lee Bermejo is, is one of my favorite artists, um, but 
his, I don't know, it, it might be probably one of my lesser um, liked pieces of Bermejo art that I've seen. The Stefan Sedgwick one is, is very uh, visceral in a way with the, the reminder that the Joker was pulling her strings for so long. So yeah, if I, if I had to pick one, if I could only buy one, I think I would go along with you. I think I would say the Adam Hughes, um, the Adam Hughes one is, is probably my favorite. So yeah. I don't. This is one of those situations where I don't think there's a bad cover. I really don't. Um, which, yeah, yeah, I I had to make the conscious decision that yes, I was not going to buy them all. Yeah, <laughs> just I, what. But I I do think though that uh, even though my favorite is Adam Hughes, I think they made the right call by giving Amanda Connor the the actual cover A because yeah. she's her and Jimmy, like you said, they they put Harley on the map. And uh, and uh, their story is also one of my favorites. And uh, they just they've captured it was their creativity. It was their ideas and, and character ideas and character template for Harley that captured captured the popularity of, of for the character for so many. And, uh, you know, let's face it, it, it has had some influence in Harley in the movies as well. And I know there's some mixed results and mixed reaction to Harley in the, uh, you know, in the movies and Suicide Squad and in uh uh, the Birds of Prey, the Emancipation of Harley Quinn. But uh fact of the matter is, is that, you know, it's nice to see them get that recognition. Yeah, and I can't remember the last time, I'm sure it's happened, where somebody's done uh, two covers for the same book. Because uh, Amanda does the A and the B cover. And what I love about it, mm-hmm. so the A cover, Harley's there, fingers in her ears, with, and there's a cake, a three-layer cake there says, on each, the top layer says happy, middle layer says 30, bottom layer says Harley. And there's these sticks of dynamite stuck in it like candles. And then her B cover is after some of those, two of those sticks of dynamite have exploded. And the cake <laughs> is looking, you know, a lot worse for wear. There's frosting and bits of cake on the wall behind her. She looks shell-shocked. So, so it's, it's like seeing mm. literally two panels of a comic, right? Like, here we go. It's, it's my birthday. And then all of a sudden, you know, the, the aftermath of that. So I, I, love, <laughs> I love, absolutely love it. So, um, well, what are your, fa- some of your favorite, uh, stories in, in the uh, issue? Uh, well, I actually, uh, I actually, the, the one, the one with Harley, with the man written by Amanda and Jimmy and John by Chad Harden, uh, uncommon bonds. I like it because I, it deals with red tool, because G- Jimmy and Amanda always had this propensity to come up with crazy characters with the coolest names. And nobody seemed to get away with being almost overtly and expressly sexual to the extent that Jimmy Jimmy and Amanda did when they wrote Harley. I mean, I mean, the story is actually, I mean... I mean, Harley actually says in the opening story, uh, you know, remember that complete gentleman who gave my beaver a good tune up? I mean, she's actually I mean, she actually went to Alfred, who knows taxidermy to get her beaver stuffed. And I mean, it's such obviously cliche, comedic attempted humor. But goddamn, if it doesn't work. I mean, Harley literally talking about her beaver and the way that they script her every time she talks about her beaver. You think she's talking about something else other than the actual beaver. And it's just, it's one of the, it's the type of crazy zany uh, type of dialogue that you got from Amanda Connor uh, and uh, Jimmy Palmiotti and, and, and the, and the innocence of it, the unintended, um, the, the, the over sexuality of it, but yet the innocence of it was magnified by Amanda Connor's art, Amanda Connor's art. And that's that combination just, uh, I mean, you, that's where you get that perfect combination of artist and 
with artist and writer, and I guess they kind of co-wrote it as well. So I, I believe I, I would be doing Amanda Connor an injustice if I said she didn't co-write it because she, I, I, Jimmy always often credits his wife, and rightly so, happy wife, happy life. Uh, she'd probably hit him with a Harley hammer if he didn't. Uh, but uh, that's that one. That one I really like. And and in, and in the opening story here, uh, it's called Uncommon Bonds. It's Harley Quinn actually ends up uh, going to Wayne Manor and prevents a robbery of Wayne Manor uh, while uh, uh, and actually ends up you know surprising. Alfred by you know waking him up, sleeping in the bed beside him uh, because she ends up getting um, she ends up getting robbed herself, and she's she's going in there to prevent a robbery of Wayne Manor. And it's just again, it's 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 a silly story, but these Harley Quinn stories always are. And uh, yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun, especially if you're fans of Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti, you're gonna you're gonna love it. You you you're very likely going to enjoy it. What about yourself? Yeah, uh, I mean it. it no secret what my favorite is. I've already talked about my favorite version of Harley. So I love that we, we got kind of an origin story of that version of Harley that we have in the the black label book, Joker, Harley criminal sanity from, from Cami Garcia. And as kind of a bonus, the fact that we got the same two artists, Jason Badower and Miko Suyan to come back, they have a very kind of photo realistic style. And as I started diving into this uh, Harley, you know, the whole issue, I was thinking, yeah, I really, I really hope that it's not just a bunch of zany Harley stories and we get, you know, look at the different versions of the character, because like I said, she's been so malleable over the years, they've been able to tell all kinds of uh, different stories. So to have this version of Harley show back up, to show her intelligence, to show how she got recruited into the Gotham uh, City Police Department as a profiler um, was fantastic. And then on top of that, Something we didn't get to see uh, in the regular series was another kind of classic bat villain, right? We just got the Joker. Well, here we get Poison Ivy um, and also a very kind of photorealistic version of, uh, of Ivy doing things like, you know, poisoning people that are harming the environment, industrialists and whatnot with strychnine and oleander seeds. So, again, it's, it's, it's very real world. It's very, you know, realistic. You know, and this time, rather than being the Joker or Harley Quinn, we're getting to see Poison Ivy. So I, I really enjoyed that. Uh, anytime these three uh, creators get together and and uh, create a Harley Quinn story, I'm there. I'm there 100 yeah. percent. One of the things I find very interesting about Cami Garcia's approach to the character is that it, it, it very much is a very real world take with less of an emphasis on the sexuality. With because le- even with because Harley's relationship with the Joker in, in like under Cami Garcia's interpretation, she really is a hardcore investigator, and she doesn't strike you as a a, a Doctor Harleen Quinzel that would ever fall in love with the Joker, uh, or, or or necessarily compromise herself uh, by allowing herself to fall in love with uh, a, a supervillain like Poison Ivy. It's a, it's a much more of a real world take. And, and for that reason, it appeals to a different kind of audience, which once again shows just how uh, flexible and, uh, you know, frankly, uh, how malleable the character of Harley Quinn is because she really can be interpreted different ways. And she seems to be able to, to get away with it because if you try – Again, it's isn't it interesting that with Harley Quinn, you can get away with different interpretations of her character, whereas you tried that with some other characters, you'd be accused of writing the character out of character. And yet with Harley mm-hmm. Quinn, you can get away with it, and that, that really helps with her popularity and to appeal to appeal to a broader audience. 
Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, even though Harley is not one of my favorite characters, that version of Harley is one of my favorite characters. So, yeah. all right, what do you, uh, what do you, what do you have up next? What, what other story do you want to come uh, on? Well, my, my second favorite would be, I'm just, um, uh, it's, it's kind of a tie here. Uh, actually, it's kind of hard for me to rank them. I'm going to end up contradicting myself like I did last night when we were talking about The Flash and World's Finest. But um, I'm gonna, I'll am gonna i go with uh, Gotham City Sirens, the story by Paul Dini, uh, with art by Julian March. I love that entire series. Uh, and uh, I, I got all the covers. And the, I, I just – I enjoyed that series. And uh, this story, you can – I don't know. This story – I don't know when it actually takes place, but it, it obviously takes place during that series. And just a quick recap, the Paul Dini series, Gotham City Sirens, uh, involved, it was, uh, I think it was 20 some odd issues long. And basically what it was, was it's revealed at the end of that series that Catwoman was actually asked by Bruce Wayne to to befriend Harley and Ivy and to live with them, just sort of to keep an eye on them. And that betrayal is revealed at the end and, and uh, Harvey and uh, Ivy get very upset with Catwoman at the end of that series. But in any event, in the meantime, this is clearly a story that takes place in the middle of that while Catwoman, Selina, Ivy and, and, and Harley are all living together and they decide to have a party. And at this party, they invite that the, the central joke of it is that they invite uh, Harley takes it upon herself to invite as many females as she can, both supervillains and superheroes. And I mean, I literally I challenged myself. It took me five minutes to identify. I think I got 98 percent of the female characters here. We got Wonder Woman, Batgirl, Giganta, Star, Saf- uh, uh, Star Sapphire, White Rabbit, Killer Frost, Orca, Tarantula, Harlequin, Katana, Cheshire, Livewire, Knockout. And Bloody Mary, Fatality, and Thorn. I think that's all of them, but I may have missed a couple of female characters. <laughs> but I had a lot of fun uh, looking at this story, looking at who's in the background. Kudos to Gulliam March. Uh, it, I'm sure he was very challenged. You know, try. You know, he. I can't say it's quite like George Perez, but uh, I think he channeled a little bit of his George Perez because he snuck so many characters in here in the background that it's a lot. I had a lot of fun just looking in the background of this particular uh, story, and I quite enjoyed it. And it was, um, and it was exactly what you, you pretty much what you'd expect. You know, a, a lot of basically a, a party with a lot of mayhem, and it ends with Wonder Woman and Batgirl sort of taking out the villains while the Gotham City Sirens, Catwoman, Ivy, and Harley are nowhere to be seen. They've gone elsewhere to have a few drinks while Batgirl and Wonder Woman are cleaning up the female supervillains. And uh, it's just, it was it was a fun issue, and I had fun just trying to identify all the female uh, female victim, uh, <laughs> female supervillains, but I don't know. So uh, what, what do you think of that one? I I enjoyed that one, um, and, and it kind of dovetails into my the other one that I wanted to, to mention that I really enjoyed. I'm a huge fan of Stefan Sedgwick's art and and the style, and so the one I want to mention also has the Gotham City Sirens. And one of the things I really liked about it is that it, Stefan Sedgwick does a great job of showcasing the the relationship, the dynamic between the three. Right, so uh, it's called submissive, and it starts off at at Harley's place, and Catwoman is kind of giving Harley a bad time telling her that she's, she's actually submissive when she's in the, the relationship with Ivy um, and, you know, sort of commentating a little bit in a way on her being proud of Harley for kind of getting un- from under the thumb of, of the Joker. 
but in a way, you know, warning her not to be like that with Ivy. Um, and it, it kind of upsets Harley and she kind of goes off half cocked saying, I'll, you know, I'll show you, I can be dominant. And she goes and attacks the penguin and gets in over her head to some extent. And Ivy shows up to use her powers to kind of help, uh, help Harley get out of the situation. And <laughs> at, at the end, Harley does realize that she's being submissive to, uh, to Pamela, to Poison Ivy. So, uh, yeah, I, again, it, it really highlights the dynamic between the three um, and so and, and with great Steph and Cedric art. So uh, I, I really enjoyed that. Uh, I enjoyed that one as well. Yeah. Uh, any others that you want to mention? Well, I uh- – I have to I have to make a few comments on the story you just read. Uh, Stefan Sajic, uh, of course, he does. A, I believe he, he does. He does a series called I think it's uh, Sunstroke, uh, and it's it's a very uh, it's a it's a very uh, a comic book erotica type of story between a, a love affair between two women, but they also get involved with with bondage and everything else. So this is literally right up Stefan Sejic's alley in terms of this. He knows a lot about submissives. He's he's written about them extensively. I think I think um, I think it's Sun Sunstroke. I think it's called that. It's, uh, it's Sunstone. Sorry, Sunstone. Sunstone. Yeah, I think it's on its yeah. fourth or fifth volume. So uh, it's it's quite a popular. Uh, uh, quite a popular series and in any event he knows a lot about submissives here and look part of the appeal of harley quinn is her relationship not just with ivy but you know let's face it harley quinn harley quinn poison ivy and and selena kyle they're all bisexual and there's that sexual element there and the whole I mean, the whole Purian fanboy thing with the Gotham City Sirens is fairly obvious. So when you got a, when you got Stefan Sejic doing a short story called Submissive, where Selena is teasing Harley that she's a submissive to the Joker and then sets something up to, to try to get Ivy closer to Harley. I mean, this thing just cries out innuendo, sexuality, et cetera, et cetera, where Purian fanboys like me, I mean, obviously I'm going to read this thing. So... Um, so there's that yet another very, very different take to the, some of the other iterations and stories we're going to be talking about in this uh, collection, but just goes to show that, you know, you know, no matter what floats, what kind of person or woman floats your boat, there's some of, some of that in Harley Quinn. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, um, I... I'm I'm tempted to leave the last Harley story to the last one I talk about, but because, uh, <laughs> um, but I suppose we can talk about it now. It involves your favorite character, uh, uh, Amanda Waller. Yeah, my favorite. And uh, it really, it really is. Um, I think it says so much about it, it's. I actually thought it was actually it was written written uh, writer Rob Williams does a really good job. Uh, it's relatively straightforward. It basically involves Harley uh, essentially deciding, almost committing suicide, knowing she's going to die. She ref- it's like she stops listening to Amanda Waller. Amanda Waller says Harley is essentially attempting to attack Amanda Waller. She Amanda Waller warns her. Don't don't take another step closer. And she's got her hand on the brain bomb. And Amanda Waller flicks the flicks the switch, and Harley Quinn dies. And as Harley Quinn is dying, Harley Quinn is imagining defeating the Suicide Squad and imagining a world. Literally, it's almost like it's almost like a, a perfect ending for for Harley Quinn because as Harley Quinn's 
is dying. She's imagining her perfect ending, but but going out on her own terms. And what I like about the last Harley Quinn story is that even though she dies at the end, she refuses, she goes out being free. Even though, I mean, she she's basically given an F you to Amanda Waller, which I know you're going to love. I know you must love that, Jace. F you, Amanda Waller. You're not an Amanda Waller fan. And for, for Harley Quinn to go out on her own terms, uh, that even a Boomerang, Captain Boomerang's wondering, why did Harley do that? Why did she attack us knowing, knowing what her fate would be? Well, she wanted to go out on her own terms. At least that's how I interpreted it. It's a story that's very likely it's not in continuity, but it very well much could be. If there was a final Harley Quinn story, I can see Harley Quinn in a moment of of, uh, of psychosis or perhaps even a moment of lucidity saying, you know what, I, I don't want to be crazy anymore. I just want to leave this world on my own terms. So I actually kind of liked, as as maybe a little bit tropey as it was, I, it actually, it actually, I, I, it resonated with me a bit. What do you think of that? Yeah, it, it's actually the other story that I was going to uh, talk about as well, despite the fact that it has Amanda Waller in it. Because, <laughs> you know, here's the thing, right? We have so many stories of the Suicide Squad where they're always under the threat of having the bomb in their head explode, but it never actually explodes, right? So it was it was kind of uh, cathartic in a way to see Amanda Waller. As much as I don't like the character of Amanda Waller, it was cathartic to see her, um, you know, actually blow up the bomb. For so, you know, I, I'm reminded of uh, what's Dennis Hopper in uh, in Speed, where he's like, "What's what's the purpose of a bomb to explode?" He tells Keanu Reeves' character, "The reason your life is so unfulfilled because you spend your life trying to keep the bombs from exploding." So it was <laughs> cathartic to see uh, Harley Quinn's bomb uh, explode, and it it showed. I think the story shows how much Harley Quinn cares, right? Like as much as she's a zany character at times and, you know, we, we've, we can argue or debate whether or not she should be a hero. You know, it makes perfect financial sense from that perspective, why DC took her from villain to anti-hero to hero. Um, but it doesn't ever feel out of character here to s- see her act the way that she acts. Again, goes back to that mal- malleability. Um, so you can per- really understand why Harley does what she does in the story. Yeah, it's, there's no consequences. The world's coming to an end. I'm going to do what I want to do. So in that way, this is Harley Quinn as a wish fulfillment character, which is another thing the character does really, really well. She says the things that sometimes we wish we could say. And when we had Stephanie Phillips, the last couple of times we've had Stephanie Phillips on to talk about Harley, she's mentioned that, you know, how, you know, Harley, she uses Harley to say the things that she herself, you know, who might be a little more reserved, won't say. Um, and who, it's great. Like, yeah, world's coming to an end. You want to surround yourself with a bunch of useless cash and go, you know, robbing and looting and stealing? Sure, why not, you know? Um, so I, I, I did enjoy it. And, yeah, I mean, obviously, Rob Williams wrote um, a lot of Harley while he did his long Suicide Squad run. And he, he also wrote some Harley Quinn, as I mentioned, uh, after Jimmy uh, and, and Amanda left the book. So, uh, it was great to see him re- return, and it was great to see a, uh, a Harley Quinn suicide story. And I thought the art from John Timms was really strong, too. A, a little more street than I'm used to seeing John Timms art. Like, right, John Timms, especially the stuff he's doing in Superman, Son of Kal-El right now, is very, like, traditionally super heroic. Uh, it went a little darker for this, and it really kind of suited the story. So, yeah, I thought it was solid. Uh, so th- those are those are all the stories that I was going to mention Um 
in detail give thoughts on. Did you have any more? Uh, well, I just I want to give a quick shout out to uh, I thought that's uh, Stephanie Phillips and Riley Rosmo. Their story uh, was about how to train your hyena. And it was a story about, uh, you know what? I never I never actually put Harley Quinn's hyenas. I didn't know they had, I guess if they had names, I never, their names are Bud and Lou. I didn't, I didn't actually know that. I never, I never put their names to memory. Harley Quinn's hyenas names are Bud and Lou. And it's a story about how, uh, how she's trying to, she breaks into the the wildlife reserve of Gotham or whatever. I didn't know what Gotham had one of those and to try to get her hyenas back. And, uh, uh, of course, uh, as she's breaking in, she's a little concerned because, uh, there's a poacher, there's a, actually, uh, there's a poacher in the museum, uh, in the wildlife reserve that wants to kill some elephants and kill some other animals. And, uh, Harley, uh, Harley has the the code word. Uh, there's that there's that special there's that famous movie. Uh, I think it was the Columbo episode where a guy uses the code word Rosebud and the dogs attack and kill the person Rosebud. Well, Harley Quinn's code word for her dog for her hyenas to attack is hot dog. <laughs> of course it is. Uh, and she, you know, fortunately, she hyenas remember the the code word hot dog, and they they attack the the poacher that's about to kill Harley. And so it's it's a it's kind of a nice story. It's in the it's along the same vein. If you've been enjoyed if you've been enjoying Stephanie Phillips and Riley Rosmo's uh, stories, uh, it's it's you know it's you know it's 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 a nice self contained story, which uh, I thought was nice. So yeah, I agree. The other thing that's really nice, you know, we talked about. Uh, some of the covers, we didn't even talk about all of them because they're not all here um, yeah. in the digital preview that we got. But when you're flipping through, like if whatever cover you buy, when you're flipping through, a lot of times between the other, uh, the, uh, between these stories, you get the other variant covers. So like there's an art germ one that's has the, uh, very, has trade dress that's very reminiscent of uh, Batman Adventures number 12, which is the first appearance of Hardy in a comic. Um, and it's, it's by Art Germ, who's a very popular sort of cheesecake artist, uh, kind of similar to Adam Hughes, but it has his own style. Uh, and, and we didn't talk about that cover because it wasn't among the, the digital ones that we got. But it's great. I like that DC did this, put them in there because, yeah, it's it's hard to – and especially when you're talking about some of these 1 in 100 or 1 in 50 ratio covers, people just can't afford it. So it's great. I, I did really like that they put some of these variants actually in, in the book. So um, – yeah, if you're a Harley fan, I think this is probably a, a must-buy. You got to go out, you got to pick it up. Um, it, it definitely gives a lot of different versions of Harley, and it's a good, it's a good celebration of the character. Any final thoughts, Rock? Uh- yeah, uh, I do think that uh, I want to give a shout out to the true Harley story by Cecil Cacciolini. Uh, the the message, the moral of the story is that uh, Harley is telling a group of essentially a group of glorified uh, Girl Scouts who are who are being taken advantage of by sort of a corrupt female Girl Scout. Uh, the moral of that story is that Harley teaches the young girls that if they don't, if somebody doesn't accept you for who you are, reveal what they really are. Let this be a lesson to keep on being your rad self. So it was, a, it was a nice lesson there. So again, that was a, it was a story maybe for a younger audience and just goes to show you, this is, it's kind of weird because if, if you're a parent and you want to get your kid into Harley Quinn, there's some younger demographic stories in here, but alongside some, alongside stories like submissive, you know, it's, <laughs> like I said, this is definitely an eclectic, very wide ranging array of Harley Quinn stories, which makes it excellent to get a, a, a side, to get 
a you know broad view of Harley Quinn, generally speaking, uh, and uh, definitely something for all. Uh, although, is this all ages? I don't know if I'd say it's all ages, but it's it's definitely you know probably something out of you know a young teenager probably would want to read <laughs> despite what the parents might want to think in some of the stories but uh but no uh yeah that's that's basically it i i i didn't think i was going to enjoy this to be honest with you i i wasn't looking forward to reading this and i'm glad i did uh and it, it, it was a pleasant surprise i thought this did a better job of giving a tribute to Har- harley generally speaking than a lot of the tributes that we've seen of green arrow and aquaman and some of the other ones uh, it, I, and i mean that in the general broader sense in terms of all the stories together so so not bad. Yeah, really solid. So uh, definitely go check it out if you are a, a Harley fan. So that's going to do it for this episode. Don't forget, everybody, you can go check out our DC Spotlight from earlier this week with all the other books that came out from DC this week uh, where we break them down and talk about our favorites and what worked and what didn't. Uh, be sure that if you're listening to the audio only, you head over to YouTube and subscribe to Rocky's channel, Comic Space Boom! Exclamation point, and you'll find it. Uh, ring the notification bell, subscribe, leave comments. You guys know what to do. Uh, conversely, if you're checking us out on YouTube and you're curious about the other audio-only content from the Comic Source, just go to wherever you get your podcast to a search for the Comic Source and subscribe. So that's going to do it for this episode, everybody. Appreciate you joining as always, and we'll talk to you next time. See you later. You can find the Comic Source podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.